Hello, I just had to update everything because I was running out of, um, I only have, um, 45 minutes. In front of a judge at the court. I pointed it out to the judge at the court that it was a forgery and he said it is of no merit. I said I have 60 pages of irrefutable evidence. Now bearing in mind the police evidence, criminal evidence is beyond all reasonable doubt. In a civil court it's on the balance of probabilities. But my evidence is used because I've been into Crown Court with murderers and things like that. I've had to put everything as beyond all reasonable doubt. And I put 60 pages of beyond all reasonable doubt evidence to show how Lloyds couldn't possibly have a claim. The judge dismissed it and said I had to reduce it to six pages and come back in two weeks when he was going to decide, decide to rule for the bank. David, can I just come in there? Can I just come in there? And I'll just show you this. So what, what David was saying, if I can just get this to work. Okay, so what David was saying about Jenkins, this is Mr. Jenkins. There he is. He's the chairman of Eversheds, some of us call it Ever something else. And he links over here with, oh, Mr. Andrew Bailey, who was in charge of the FCA. Got the court of the Bank of England there. They decide if the bankers have been naughty. And if you would follow this down, you'll find Susan Rice, a senior from Lloyd's. But over here we've got Alan Jenkins. Um, he he is on the board of the Financial Ombudsman Service. Up here we've got Baroness Sahida Mansell. She's got this bright green dotted line, and that would go off down over that way. And she's very senior in common purpose. But also on FOSS, we've got other people like these, Jenny Watson here. And she also links, if I come over here, and good old Jenny Watson also links with the FRC. Who are the FRC? They're the Financial Reporting Council. So when your auditors do false audits for you, that the, the bank CEO and the CFO sign off. They're all criminal. If it's anything wrong, it has to go through to the Financial Reporting Council. But they're they're obviously criminal. nothing ever gets film wrong. Okay. Um, a good example of this is Sir Wim Bishkoff. Now, Sir Wim Bishkoff, I can find him. Uh, I can't find him there at the moment, but he is there. And Sir Wim Bishkoff, he was involved with the HBOS frauds, which I've got down here, but there's, there's a lot more to it. Oh, here's Sir Wim Bishkoff. We haven't got his photo on there yet. Um, you should have a photo on there with a number and some bars on it and some stripy pyjamas. But Sir Wim Bishkoff, he links up and he became, after the HBOS frauds, they promoted him and, and not only made him a sir, but they also made him chairman of the FRC. So obviously he moved over. Good job, Paul. He knew all about the HBOS frauds and when he got to the FRC, well, he looked into it and there was nothing wrong. Brilliant. So this wall here, I think really people need to be looking at who's who's above this wall, who's in the regulators, and what are they actually regulating? You know, they're definitely regulating fraud, um, but not for the right reasons. Sorry, back to you, David.
Yeah, thank you. Yes. So what we quickly found out was my court case was not was 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 typical of what's going on in the courts in the lower courts, and I've had scores, if not hundreds, of reports back that people have been to court to fight for their property, and the judge has told them that their evidence is of no merit, and ruled for the banks. Now, that is not good enough for me. I need to know why. So I start digging, and I have found. Bearing in mind it's Northern Ireland, but that's part of the UK, we were talking, and I think Trevor was party to the conversation with a certain person who was in a security, uh, money security um, company, shall we say, some years ago, who was responsible for organising the shifting of money from banks to banks. And his, part of his job was delivering envelopes to judges' chambers. And he assures me that. Every time a judge ruled in favour of the bank, he had to deliver that judge €46,000 cash as his payment for doing so. That is information. That is my information. I believe it is true, and I am in the process of checking it out to turn that information into evidence. But this is the sort of thing we are finding every day, time and time again. For instance, I mentioned a guy who lost his 11 factories. Deloitte were... Um, were involved in that. They put a stooge in his business who cooked the books for one of the businesses which which caused a major investigation. They then pulled the plug on his on his factoring of his um, invoices, his invoice factoring. It put him under and they took £700 million worth of factories off him instantly. He's called David as well. I've been through his books. I sat up all night with it looking at him and he was stitched up. Big time, big time. They set out to steal his property. There is no shadow of a doubt. And I'm finding this everywhere I look. And in fact, I had a phone call on Saturday, uh, on, what's today, Saturday, on Thursday from the signature forgery expert who said he's had another look at my loan application and discovered that the bank manager's signature is forged on it and the application they used to take my property off me with the receivers is actually fake. There's the level of corruption we're at. We are. At, I've got to be careful what I say because I'm an ex-policeman and if I accuse people wrongly, I could be in big trouble. And I'm telling you, the lawyers are bent. They are crooked. The judges are even worse. They are crooked. They are taking backhanders. I have proof and it is going to be revealed in a documentary because I've just graduated after three years at uni studying how to do documentaries and we are going for the big one and I will well, name, well, name well done. I will be naming names can I just come yes. in um, one, one of the places we have to go I, I got my um, court case elevated to the high court and you, you hear some people going to, um, talking to judges and they start mentioning the Magna Carta, and some of them are nutters, but I, I do it to judges to have a little bit of fun, because when you do it to judges in the right way, springs start coming out and smoke starts coming out. <laughs> but um, one of the things that you will find, yep. there's a, a lot of things when you go down the rabbit hole, um, including Alta Vendita, people can look that up. Um, and before Common Purpose, there was um, quite a Masonic element, which I think is still there. now. This is, this is a cathedral in London, as you can see. Yeah. It's called the Royal Courts of Justice. And as you enter this cathedral, this court area, you can see 
you've got um, Masonic tiles. Just past the entrance, you've got desk here. And over on the right, there is a Masonic display. And then I'm not religious, but if you go right to the end here and you go through there, uh, there are some stone pillars and one is unfinished. <clears throat> and that's supposed to mean God's work is never done. Um, if you if you look at it, the Royal Courts of Justice, when you enter in there, it's a bit like a pantomime, really. And I think they've got a set way and a set way of putting in the forms and the accusations about people and possessions. Once they've done the bait and switch and they make it so people, it's entrapment, really. Once they've done the entrapment and people go into court and they go in in tears and, and songs, they don't know what's happening to them. They may go in with dodgy lawyers that are playing the civil game. And this is criminal, but the courts, the, the banks were running through the civil courts. So if they did lose, it's just a fine. Um, and when you go when you go through the back of the Royal Courts of Justice, there's a place called the Thomas More Building. And that's where they would try and move most of the cases to, because that's the business and property courts. And if we think who Thomas More was, well, Thomas More wasn't very happy about Henry VIII's divorce. And Henry VIII tried for a couple of years to get uh, the, the Pope in Italy to give him the divorce, and he wouldn't do it. So the Thomas More, who was a friend of Henry VIII, ends up losing his head. So it sometimes makes me wonder why they push people into the Thomas More building. Do they want to decapitate their chances? Um, but I, I think there is a religious element, but it's, it's very much like a pantomime. And I guess if you're going through a divorce, that might be Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Um, if you're going through an eviction or something like that, it, you know. But the thing is, you go into court and you sit down. The other, the bank side is over there. You've got the judge coming. Everyone rise. It's almost like the curtains opening. The other side will then present the same old argument. People will then fight it to the best of their ability. They may have a, a bent lawyer, a bent um, solicitor that will mislead them in that and will spend fortunes. Um, and I think Michelle has experienced that. She's had solicitors that have led her along for a couple of years here and there. Um, are they extracting to work with the other side? I think so in some cases. But um, it's very much a pantomime. And, you've, you know, by doing the Matrix and that, COVID's been great for us. Everyone else losing their heads. We thought, great, let's use the time. Let's go on the attack. Best form of defence is attack. We've built this. We don't mind putting their names and faces on it. They're crooks. Everybody should know they're crooks. Um, I don't know why. They're not coming after me. I don't that's, know why. I think point. there's something happening. That's a good I point. Think, I think if 180 copies of your matrix has gone out and it's actually accusing people. It's gone out to the people you're accusing. Not yeah. one murmur, not one solicitor's letter, not Nothing one back. not a single word anywhere. They know we have them. They know we've got I think I think what's happening at the moment, we're naming and shaming them, and we're doing it very educated and very professionally. <clears throat> they know we know their game. Mm -hmm. And I think Boris isn't common purpose. You've, you've seen the others before him are. And I think Boris is taking out, like the Mark Sedwells and the Sajid Javids and, and the wrongdoers. Um, we're exposing a lot of that. And I think, to some level, we're being left to get on with that. And I think there is there is a big... You know, there's a big storm coming, and I think a lot of these crap people are going to be thrown out and exposed. On Tuesday next week, the 
information we've got over there has gone into the police crime panel of Avon Somerset, where they have been criminal, they've done misconduct in public office, and they've been hiding bits. They've not been passing evidence over to Thames Valley Police. Um, I know a lot of the victims, and we know what evidence they've got and what evidence hasn't gone forward. And it's criminal, and it's got to be exposed now. And these people need their lives destroying, they need their property taking, and, and justice restored. But under the current system, they have no fear of being prosecuted because they control the system. Nor do we. We don't, we don't have a Nor do we, because we, we know their system, we're exposing it. We're exposing yeah. it. They, up to now, had no fear. So that's why they've carried on doing what they do, because they have no fear of anyone actually punishing them. They think they're going to get away with it. And Gentlemen, um, uh, let's hear also from Mr. Anthony Stansfeld. As people know, he is the Thames Valley Police and Crime Commissioner. He's he's here with uh, Bibi Barkas and Michelle Young. I'm so glad you're both uh, back in as well. We don't see uh, Mr. Stansfeld. Has he not? He's not come back. He hasn't come on. I did. I did ask him. It was. It was. Un, it was locked for a while. Um, I could try him briefly, but I think Bibi has to leave soon. So maybe we should. Um, oh, I'm trying to get him in. It's actually not okay. locked. He raised his hand. He okay. is rejoining. Okay. Here he can is. you hear me? Yes. 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 Oh, good. I seem to be in. Um, I mean. I feel we're sort of beating our heads against cotton wool on all these things, because however much you prove it, <laughs> nothing is done about it. Um, I had a meeting earlier this uh, this week, funnily enough, with the security minister, um, and I think the government is waking up to it, but how far I got with him, and we had a very affable meeting, um, he is the minister who deals with fraud, um, I gave him my paper on the subject. Um, how much is going to happen, I don't know. I have got a meeting, though, um, with um, the Shadow Chancellor in about 10 days' time, and I'm going to ask her to take it up. I think the problem is, of course, um, I've also asked the Home Affairs Select Committee to take it up, as has um, the, the, the gentleman who is coordinating all the false uh, documents we've both written to, Yvette Cooper. Um, I think our problem there is probably Yvette Cooper was hand in glove with Gordon Brown when they set up a lot of the systems that have made a lot of this possible. So whether the Home Affairs Select Committee will take it on. But I'm in contact with um, Lord Prem Seeker, who is the advisor to the Labour Party. I'm not a Labour person, but we get on very well, and I get on well with Annalise Dodds. So I'm going to try and force it through them to raise this in the House of Commons at, at presumably, um, you know, a, 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 a meeting which the Treasury issues are being discussed and the Chancellor is there. Because I did, I think a lot of it is so embedded within the establishment. Um, but, and as you say, there is a complete revolving door between the banks, the legal companies and the regulatory authorities that are meant to be looking after them. And um, the FRC and the FCA, we know, Trevor mentioned that the chairman of the FRC, who gave the quite extraordinary um, KPMG audit of um, HBOS, overlooked a billion pound fraud and a 38 billion pound hole in the accounts, gave it a clean bill of health. And that was Wynne Bischoff, whose last job was uh, chairman of Lloyd's. And the chairman of the Financial Conduct Authority until last year, um, 
his previous job was senior partner of KPMG when they did the audits. Also, they audited Carillion and also they audited the co-op. I mean, it's difficult to make this stuff up. Um, and also, of course, the chief executive for Financial Conduct Authority was Andrew Bailey, who is now running the Bank of England. Um, so I mean, we're fighting you know, the establishment uh, at every aspect. I think where we have to be careful is that the few that are are on our side is to keep them on our side um, and try and I will try you know, at the top level politically to push this through. But I mean, Evershades and Grant Thornton are over their eyebrows. I mean, I have some really quite hair curling stuff on them, um, but it's very difficult to get it out. I wrote to the then prime minister about three years ago about this. And uh, it all went up to the cabinet secretary, Jeremy Hayward. And I got a very nice letter from him saying, these are very serious allegations. Would you like to come and discuss them with me? And we set up the meeting. And I then got a very curt letter from him saying, um, I've taken advice and I've been advised not to talk to you. <laughs> um, I wrote to him and asked him who would advise him. Um, and he wouldn't reply to that. Um, anyway, um, he subsequently died, I'm afraid, oh. of cancer shortly afterwards. Um, but it was the most extraordinary um, co uh, um, correspondence, which I, of course I've kept to this day. Um, so we'll see what happens over the next few weeks. But it's clearly a, a totally unsatisfactory situation when the people who should be sorting this out are the very people stopping it being sorted out. Anyway, if anybody wants to ask me any questions, I, I can try and answer them. Just one, Anthony. Do you think that the government is being controlled from other places? This is why we're not getting anywhere? Um, I think there is uh, an absolute rotten system within not so much the government, I don't think, as within the establishment. And the, I, do draw, I do draw a line between the two. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I think um, some people, uh, ministers, go um, go native rather quickly, especially yeah. in the Treasury. We've had five, I think, parliamentary debates about this. Um, and the extraordinary thing has been that I think we have seven political parties. I think that every single one of them has agreed at these debates. And then the minister gets up. John Glenn and reads out a, a, a civil servant's treasury reply saying, yes, we'll take this very seriously and we'll sure we'll have a good look into it and absolutely precisely nothing gets done. And, and, I when, you say, and when you say the establishment, Mr. Stansford, what exactly do you mean? Who are you referring to? Well, I think it is the uh, a lot of the top civil servants, a lot, uh, a lot of the executive boards and non-executive boards of the banks, who incidentally sit on each other's boards and remuneration committees. It is a lot of the very senior legal practices like Herbert Smith Freehand. Um, it is certainly some of the major accountancy companies. And it is certainly, um, it's accountants and, and the legal practices, the insolvency system seems to be totally rotten, as does the land registry at the moment. So it's a real mesh then, it's a network of all of these bodies at the top. Yes, I think it is. I think it's a corruption that's grown up over the years. And, you know, I, I'm not a great one on conspiracy theories, but it, it is extraordinary how some of the most people in the most powerful positions 
are also some of the weakest people I've ever met. And one has to question why they're doing the jobs and who put them there. And I do find that very odd. And I think we, we, I won't go into names, but uh, Trevor, you know who I'm talking about, I should imagine. It kind of connects back to this common purpose that you were talking about, right, Trevor? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I simply don't know, but there's something bloody odd going on, that's for sure. Perhaps Bibi has an insight into all of this, because I think she's been exploring fraud and crime for a long time as well, uh, right, Bibi? And you're teaching as well. Yes, I, I think we're in the wrong jurisdiction. I yes. went to court. I went to court on my bankruptcy, on a bankruptcy that they tried to, to pull on us when I went to prison, and I won. But I did not go under... Uh, the jurisdiction that the courts are under because they're under fraudulent. We have no standing in law with the jurisdiction that they're operating in the courts. So what I did, I went under the Uniform Commercial Code and I set out my paperwork under the UCC and I won. I won my bankruptcy. But the judge refused to put my case uh, <coughs> registered. They the judge refused to register the case so people will see that uh, that I have won. But I know that uh, how I went into I the court, I knew how the system worked. It, this was in America, but it works here also because I went into court here with people uh, to help them as a Mackenzie friend. But the jurisdiction they're under is why we cannot win. They are not under... Uh, the jurisdiction under the common law but it doesn't matter about the common law it does matter about the the contract we are contract in every single thing we do and if we cannot go under the contract law we will not win that's how i see it and i i know for a fact because in in america i went to in front of a judge as well under the contract law under the ucc and there's nothing he could have done to me bb can i can i just ask what did they entrap you um to try and get you into prison did they okay. use did the, did the police use contracts did they use sort of um welfare mental health did they get you to sign things that, that no um, afterwards you know no, okay. what happened is I was selling real estate and I was making a lot of money and I had a perfect license for 18 years <coughs> and it had nothing to do with the police or the, the DA or the, any one of these uh, organizations. It's to do with one IRS agent <coughs> and he said I sold the house to an African American but that's not the word he used. And it was his neighbor and becomes his neighbor and he had to move. Oh, and they just they just set me up. I was given I went to trial. Attorneys don't represent you. They represent the state. They took an oath to represent the state. All B -B -B. sorry, can I BB, um you said they set you up and then you yes. went into the court. How did they set you up to okay, get you into they, the Okay, I sold a house to an African American. Yep. And they came uh, two years after I sold the house. They came and asked me about the sale. And yep. I told them, and they had the information, the IRS agent, and he brought the detective with him. 
and they asked me uh, about the sale and I said well I can give you the files he said the IRS agent says no we have it we have the files they wanted me to go to court and lie and I said I cannot do that because I don't know anything about they said I sold the house to a dr- the guy was a drug dealer now the guy came to court to, to the closing with five thousand dollars of his own money an $80,000 loan from the bank. How did he the get an $80,000 loan? The uh, yeah. officer testified at my That's trial. Drug I took them to, first they sent me in Must front of the grand jury. The grand jury heard mind. my testimony, looked at the papers, and said I haven't done anything wrong. So they did. So was the, was the £5,000 uh, issue, or can, or in, in England, when we, when we deal with, um, state agents if, if people come along they have an amount of money we have to qualify where they got that money from so if they got it from the bank there's that 80k and you said the 5,000 did they yeah, say the you didn't no he, that came from saying, his bank account yeah but are that's they saying 5, that was laundered and you not done checks or what were they saying no they, when I was found not guilty by the grand jury they waited two years when the grand jury dismantled the IRS agent went in front of the grand jury and and they set it up. He said to the grand jury, um, the prosecutor said to him, uh, how much did she sell the house? I never knew that they had this IRS agent in front of the grand jury. Two years later, I was never told that there's another grand jury hearing. Then he said to the IRS agent, how much did she sell the house for? And he said, well, I don't know because I, I forgot to bring my notes. I have the test, I have the transcript. Then he said, well, just tell the grand jury what she did. <coughs> I was, and then he decided to tell the grand jury, I sold the house to a drug dealer. He doesn't know how much it is. It was like 10, 10 lines of the, of the testimony and the grand jury. And he waited for t- 13, drug dealers got went in front of the grand jury then they called the irs agent so i was the last person on that indictment i never knew about it until he came they came and they arrest me that's when i found out that they went in front of another grand jury without myself or my attorney knew but at the time i decided that attorneys represent you my attorney cost me a lot of lots of money but he never represented me and when i got convicted i i was devastated i was told to self-surrender myself to the prison i was sent home Mm -hmm. i had over a million dollars of real estate paid for every single dime was accounted for i had 10 years of bank statement that i asked the bank i paid to get to show the court that I have not laundered or or drug dealer or anything. I didn't know he was a drug dealer. Then, after I did all that, I still, they found me guilty of money laundering. There was no money. So I thought, well, something has to be wrong here. And then they sent me home. Four months later, they sent a certified mail for me to self-surrender at the prison. Girl. So, I've, 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 got a, I've, I've got a contact at the moment that I'm helping, and 
very decent, genuine guy. Never been in, in trouble with the police in his life. He's a, I'd just say he's a, a, a chartered accountant. Um, Anthony Bruno and David Bruno. And um, he got involved because um, somebody approached him to be a client and said, look, there, there's wrongs here. I believe there's money laundering involves drugs on a property he was letting out high caliber weapons etc etc anyway that guy got manipulated into jail um the accountant chap that i know i've got to be careful with words um he has supported him but on a professional level <laughs> and as a chartered accountant under his regulators rules knowing about money laundering he's got to report it and he's done that um he then went to a police force and they said um, that they weren't going to deal with it. It indicates that that police force has been getting money from this situation, from the, the person that was renting that property and, and drugs and so on. And um, the police in that force have now turned on the chap that I know. And so I said, well, you want to elevate it. So he elevates it from the magistrate's court because they put in hearsay evidence. And he said, no, I'd like to go in front of a jury. So it's now elevated to a Crown Court and they haven't got the evidence. So we, um, they've put in some very flimsy evidence a month late. I think they were probably trying to get further advice. Somebody said to me, if you, if you look at a lot of the police solicitors, they're often not that good. Otherwise they'd have their own practices. But we, we've looked at this evidence they've put in they're trying to move part of the case back down to the magistrate's court for hearsay. And I, I said, well, these 600 odd pages, you need to read all the accusations and, and bits down. And you need to put either, I agree, um, I don't agree or disagree, or I disagree because of. Now, he started doing that. And a lot of the accusations they've made, they've lied. And this is, this is senior police again. So um, I've helped him do a, another bundle and there's evidence in that and, and people have told him you need to re report it very senior civil servants, which he's done. You need, he was even told by that police force to report it to a police crime commissioner. And sadly, they're not Anthony's substance. We're very lucky with Anthony. But the, but the thing is, there will come a day where this will have to go to the Crown Court and there are very senior people in that police force and people there above it to direct it. And they're lying. And they're but abusing the their is, position. But isn't this the problem, you see? It doesn't matter who you report it to. If the people at the top are the people who are corrupt, then nothing will ever get done. For example, so, a, friend of mine, a friend of mine took his case all the way to the Supreme Court over a bank issue. He took the bank there. And the Supreme Court judge said in the court on a, on a, recorded, on a recorded court hearing, by rights, Mr. You should have won your case. It was well presented and you have proven your case. And he said, however, how do you think this would look for the UK mortgage industry if I ruled in your favour. Therefore, I have no choice but to rule for the bank. Yeah, they do. So, so they my, do. my friend's barrister said, calm down, we'll just get this, we'll get the transcript. So he applied to the court for a recording, a, a voice recording and a transcript. And when they received it, it was redacted from the recording and the transcript. Okay, well, the bank, the court is a bank. They're bankers. 
The judges are bankers. They're there to take your money. Now, when I went in front, when I was uh, indicted, I never thought of not being under the Constitution. The judge told me when I testify, the Constitution does not apply in his courtroom. Okay, why would he tell me that? I was, I, I've never been to court, never been with the police, get involved with anything. Now, he told me that. And when I went to prison and I started to look into this, I thought something is not right here. They left me with all my properties. They left me with everything. They have not given me a fine, no restitution, nothing. Just took me to prison. Right. So I started to study. And when I started to study, I look at my warrant. The warrant is telling me when I found out that we're not under no constitution, that we're under the Uniform Commercial Code. So when I look at it, it shows me my name at the top of my warrant was in block letters. And at the bottom, at, at the first paragraph says, you are hereby uh, commanded to arrest one BB Bactus. And that was in high case and lower case. It was not what was at the top. So that's when I start studying. And I found out that the UCC is what we are under. In England, all over the world is contract law. Now, I went in front of a judge. When I was about to leave the prison, I had already studied the system in detail. Then they asked, they said they're gonna take my DNA a month before I left. I said, no, I'm not giving it to you. So I got a nine page security agreement that I had typed up I had written, sent to my husband, they typed it up and they mailed it to the head of the department, uh, registered mail so she can sign for it. Now, when it got there, I signed her name, I typed her name up in block letters and under there I put debtor. And under that I put my name, high case and low case, creditor. And then I put Creditor accepts debtor signature in accordance with the UCC, and I put the numbers. They called a judge from outside to give me another charge because they said I signed her name uh, fraudulently. I put her name down as a debtor fraudulently, but I knew that I, I didn't do wrong. So when the judge came to see me, he asked me, he had the nine-page security agreement. I told her in there, I'm going to take everything she's got as well as her pension. Oh so the judge asked me, what is this? I said to him, it's in English. Do you understand English? But when I went to court years ago, I couldn't say that. I was shaken. I said, do you understand English? He told me not to be arrogant. I said, no, that's not being arrogant. It is in English. He told me in front of the, the warden and all the officers that he's going to take it with him and he'll be back in a week and he's going to go through these documents. And if this is fraudulent and you you, you sign her down as a debtor, he says, I'm going to give you another charge. He says, okay, I will see you next week. He came back the following week and he asked this, to speak to me privately, not in front of the warden and the officers that was there. She put us in another room. 
when I went in there, you know what the judge said to me? He says, I'm sorry, he says, but when I saw these papers last week, I didn't understand a word what's said here. And I didn't want to say that in front of the warden. So he told me he had to take it to his superiors for them to look at it. His superiors told him that what's in those papers are correct and I have not committed no fraud. And he gave me a letter certifying that that's what I did not commit fraud and that is perfect. Then he asked me, where did you learn this stuff? I have never seen it before. All the years I've been coming to the prison. I says, the force and my husband and kids. And from then on, I knew. The immigration judge deported me under a different mm. name because I gave him a nine-page security agreement. He cannot use my name without my permission. <laughs> and the nine-page security agreement, once you receive it, you're on contract with me, whether you throw it in the garbage or not. And it happens here too. Mm. Is that the answer, Bibi, for everything here that we're hearing? Is that the yes, answer? Yes, it is the answer. If we go into court, you can go into court forever. You're not going to win. You're not going to win. No, you're not going to win. Absolutely not. Um, no. Do you know of the 12 presumptions of law in the UK? The private bar guild's 12 presumptions of law. No, I don't. You see, because I'm so involved in the UCC and I teach the class and people are getting success, I don't go into anything else because I can see what they're doing. Exactly. I see you're not, exactly you're not, what they're doing. You're not in a crown court when you're in, in a court under the crown. No, you you're not. You're in a private guild meeting, and they're pri it's a private business meeting to extract from you what they can. Yes, yeah. and they're bankers. The judges are bankers. The attorneys are representing the state, not you. Yes. They took a note to represent the state. In in America, all attorneys are British esquires. You oh, represent yeah. the queen, the crown. The money goes with the IRS to Puerto Rico, then it goes to the Philippines. I have birth certificates with your trust on it, people's trust, SDQV trust, that the Queen signed off on. I have copies of those from friends who sent it to me of theirs from Scotland. Did you want to describe that a little bit um, for a moment, actually, maybe this notion of the Sestika V Trust that the Queen signed off on? Does it really mean that each of us, when we are born, we have access to money, but we are kind of, in a sense, defrauded of that immediately? Mm -hmm. We have trust, yes, straight away. As soon as you're born, you have a trust set up for you. Mm -hmm. You have every single person on earth. Mm -hmm. Because Who it's not it only up? England, it's the elite who's controlling so everybody has a trust but you are instantly made a debtor by means of that legal fiction the straw man the old caps yes etc yes you're not the debtor you are the creditor the people who like the banks they employ by us when you go to the bank and you have your signature on a paper for a loan that signature gives them the authority to go into your bank account and take your money and your house is paid for. Then they turn around and give you a legalese form to sign and you become a renter. And I know that's a fact because the IRS, you can claim for that money back from January 1st 
to December 31st. And you get every dime back from your column that you money that you spent, not what you deposit in your bank account. Three years, you can go back. If you don't, the bank takes it and calls it abundant funds. And I file for mine and they send me the check. Can I say this does make sense for the simple reason my unlawful bankruptcy, I'm meant to be the majority creditor to the to the bankruptcy. They have they, they fabricate debts and turn you into a debtor. When they when they, they, they file this unlawful bankruptcy, they say you're a debtor and they say we're not going to prove any of the creditors until we recover the assets. They never recover the assets and they keep you remained remaining as a debtor when you are the creditor because they're refusing to go behind fictitious debts which are fabricated. So what they're doing is they are stealing the assets and turning you into a debtor. But, if but they're reversing the role. They're role. basically reversing the role of a creditor to a debtor yeah. and stealing the estates, and that's what they're doing all the time within these insolvencies. And I know by Grant Thornton what they've done to me with my vast estate and many other people across the country, in which Anthony has, done, has has played an incredible role exposing these frauds across the country on the insolvencies. How bad? Anthony, are these insolvency frauds? Well, it's on a vast scale. Um, but again, I get back to this business. I think the insolvency services, um, I don't know if it's corrupt or just incredibly naive and inefficient. It's difficult to know. Um, I, th- I think the only way we're going to get this done is probably through, in the UK, is through Parliament. Because the regulatory authorities who should deal with it are not going to deal with it. Um, that's why. You know, I'm slightly cozying up to people that politically I might not cozy up to normally, um, yes. because I think they will raise a, raise a, I hope raise a fuss about this. Um, yes. But I've always sort of reached the end of what I can do, going through the proper channels. I feel, um, and I said the only the only person who has threatened me so far has been a high court judge. Actual high court judges have threatened me uh, with contempt of court and all sorts of other rather silly things. I mean, they, I think they could do it, but they'd look very stupid if they tried it. But I've certainly been threatened. Um, it, it, it is not easy to push this forward. And the trouble is, I don't think most police forces are corrupt, but I think the one or two people in police forces who are corrupt. Um, but with everything else- okay, so sorry I had to stop that, but I need to um, begin over again so that 